This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware Stores. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake. It's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Emailer Jay writes, if you haven't already received a dozen emails on this, check the Sunday Pioneer Press obit for 104-and-a-half-year-old Lorraine Hogan. You had a friend in the fight against the city, loyal podcast listener in Mesa, Arizona, Jay. I did see her obit. Uh, She died uh, 104 years old, and in her obit, uh, her family noted that she really opposed that city's taking over the trash collection. And, yes, really? I, I did give her a silent tip of the cap. Yes. All right. Yeah. That's passion to put in the old bit. I, I need help on this. How, how's the service been, been since been they, fine. It's since been they fine. took over? It's been fine. It's not the same, but it's all right. What are you going to do? All right. You know, you just got to learn to live. Times change, and we must change with them. There you go. All right, I need help on this without sophomoric uh, no, behavior. We're very, we're no, very I'm serious. I, I, this is the failed academy, and it, it corroborates something that I've been insisting upon. I get a lot of my failed academy material off the off Glenn Beck's site because he has people who follow college reform and the college fix. Sure. And I uh, so I check those sites all the time. And uh, <clears throat> this is uh, dated January 4th, so this would have been Friday. I missed it, but it's worth it's worth bringing up. A college writing seminar will tell professors to not grade based on the quality of writing in order to fight white language supremacy. What? All right. American University in Washington, D.C. is sponsoring a multi-session seminar next month aimed at getting faculty to battle white language supremacy and consider alternative grading standards for students' writing, such as labor-based grading contracts. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. Labor, and the, the guy, uh, the professor here is uh, that's responsible for this is not making himself available to talk to. Otherwise, I would have called him. It, labor-based grading contracts, I'm, I'm taking that to mean uh, how much work you put into it, no matter how horse bleep it turns out. In other words, what's the labor ba- labor meaning the labor it took to write the piece? Oh, I see. Even though it might not be good stuff. Grading ain't just grading. Rethinking writing assessment ecologies towards anti-racist ends. That's the name of the seminar. <laughs> it's scheduled for Feb 1 and will be led by Aseo B. Inoue, a professor from the University of Washington in Tacoma. He's the guy who won't be talking to anybody. He's citing the holidays as a reason for not making himself available. Okay. The seminar's main session 
the language standards that kill our students, grading ain't just grading, argues against conventional standards in college courses that grade student writing by single standards. I would imagine that standard would have been excellence. Is that a fair? Uh, yes. Well, it's probably the same standards that have always been used right. by white, black, and everybody else that's in, in a way, English. In a way, in we'll discuss how white language supremacy is perpetuated in college classrooms despite the better intentions of faculty, particularly through the practices of grading writing. Three additional sessions will follow in succession, creating anti-racist writing assessment ecologies in writing courses. I don't know what that means. Rethinking standards of writing intensive course rubrics. Problem posing for the nature of judgment in writing intensive courses. This is pulled out of this guy's rear end. This is B as in B, S as in S. I'm leading up to something. The second to last session will look at redesigning writing courses assessment ecologies in ways that reduce the negative effects of a single standard of writing and offer an alternative to such grading practices, labor-based grading contracts, and other ideas. Wow, that's confusing. Well, we're we're getting to why the Academy has failed, and we'll get to that. The final session will include an activity that can be used with students uh, that shows how judgments are formed and those judgments use a set of white racial habits of language, no matter who the reader is. In a way, as a professor of interdisciplinary arts and sciences and director of university writing and UW's writing center. All right. Okay. Uh, we must rethink how we assess writing. If we want to address racism in a way wrote in his 2015 book, uh, anti-racist writing assessment ecologies, teaching and assessing writing for a socially just future. And another paper, a gradeless writing course that focuses on labor uh, and assessing, in a way argues that writing teachers should calculate course grades by labor completed and dispense almost completely with judgments of quality when producing course grades. Right, do, you, do you understand what that this means? This is a dangerous road. Well, yes, of course. Yes, I do. Of course. The college fix said in a way declined interview requests before and after Christmas, citing the holidays. American University also did not respond to requests for comment on the seminar, uh, according to the college uh, fix. Uh, now the college fix has been way ahead of the curve on this failed academy. So what they're saying is, uh, I write a paper. I'm supposed to write a paper on um, uh, our, our mission to Mars. Okay. And if I... I'm going to guess what it means. You go ahead. <clears throat> okay. If I... How to execute the perfect um, trip to Mars. All right. And I start talking about the moon and all the planets, and I talk a little bit of Mars, but I put a lot of time into it. I'm to be rewarded for that no. rather than no. properly. No. Uh, no, that's not what I got. What'd you get? I got that they're going to allow bad English. I'm getting that. Like, like my aunt, the English teacher, that always corrects virtually everybody in her path when they use, kind of a lot like Robert. you, Such, manure. <laughs> right. It, yeah. Manure. It's unacceptable. Right. Is that what you mean? Well, what I think it means is that conventional standards are looked upon now as being racist because uh, they are not readily adaptable enough by enough people, which I think, again, is another example of being uh, 
condescending to people of color if that's what the guy's up to. In other words, we don't care about your grammar. We don't care about your capitalization. The kid don't growing care, up in the hood. We don't care about your sentence structure. We okay. just care that you made this tremendous, laborious effort to write this. Therefore, you're going to get graded on your labor of producing the material, which it sounds like to me, as as anyone who as anyone else who not only did the assignment but did well, it did it wonderfully. Is this applicable in English and literature and yes, writing that's, classes? That's how I'm taking it. Okay. A spokesman for the National Association of Scholars told the College Fix that Inouye's practices are destroying the very idea that composition classes should teach all students to write well. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. Chance Layton added that Inouye is substituting social justice ideologues' bigotry for instruction in composition. That's exactly what he's doing. And this is why the academy has failed. They are no longer in the business of teaching competence, achievement, and excellence. They're in the business of ferreting out racism, however imaginary it is. This guy dreamed up this BS out of whole cloth. There is nothing racist in a white student writing an excellent statement any more than there's anything racist in a black student writing an excellent sentence. Plus these— Good uh, English is good English. Good English is good English, and as as near as I can determine, African Americans in the United States speak English. Do they not? They do, but also these kids are all going to figure it out early. They're not dummies. They're going to no, figure no, out that they can no, half-ass no, it. No, but they're getting dumber because of the failed academy. The national dominance of social justice educators, such as Inouye, indoctrinates college graduates nationwide into social justice ideology and bigotry, but fails to teach them how to write a coherent sentence. Layton also told the College Fix that Inouye is not an outlier, that he represents the mainstream of America's college writing programs and the mainstream of social justice education, here comes the key part of this, which has taken over much of higher education and that Inouye and his like-minded colleagues are the new normal in American higher education, a system that has uh, relinquished any intent of reform. I'll put it in GL language. Break it down, brother. <laughs> because the academy, because the academy is now in the business of assigning equality, however arbitrarily, they must continually come up with reasons to insist that equality doesn't exist because of particular failures. In other words, if a black kid or a Hmong kid or a Hispanic kid writes a lousy paper, it is unfair and it's racist to say that's a lousy paper because that would be coming from a position of power. So therefore, a lousy composition, according to this guy, this is how I'm interpreting it, a lousy composition will be treated uh, the same way as a great composition. And they're doing damage to the students because the student is not going to get, I mean, even working here, you've got to be able to write. You know, they're going to hurt their chances at a good career. I've said this a million times. The, the pushback really has to start with the parents of black children. You are yeah. being, you are being condescended to. You are being lied to. 
You are being told that your children are less than. You are being told that because of your child's skin color, not as much is expected of that child. It's insidious. It's immoral. It's unethical. You're seeing it here locally with these so-called uh, discipline dynamics where uh, children of color are going to be uh, either disciplined differently or not disciplined because of uh, 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 of the uh, education industry having been sold on the idea that they're systemically racist. And therefore, if a black child acts up, it's not that kid's fault. It's our fault. It's I don't our fault. see black parents going along with this. I don't. See- I, I want black parents to rise up and say, yeah. stop it, right. you fools. Don't do me any favors. Right, exactly. Don't do me any favors. No, that's only hurting them. Oh, this is pathetic. But this story, I love when, when what we come up with gets corroborated. And it's my contention that the academy has failed because they're no longer teaching anything. They're proselytizing. They are planting the seeds that everything that gets done is racially based. Therefore, we're going to make all these adjustments in competence and excellence and achievement to flatten all that out. So I sit in there and I write a brilliant paper. Uh, I might get an A, but the kid who uh, writes a horrible paper, he's now might gets, he might get an A now too because he put the work in. But the paper still won't do the kid any good. Right. It's, it's going to be lousy. He's been taught nothing. I, uh, you know, I, I, I sit beside Mr. Reavers here mm-hmm. while, while you're talking. Yeah. Why didn't you ask him what he got out of that conversation? Because I'm staring at his computer right What's now. What's he reading about some baseball trade? No, he's, he's not reading anything. He's, Based uh, on Kenny's comments, I'm watching yeah. a music video of Bad English. The band, Bad English. And he's over here dancing, basically. Okay, well, they had one great song. When I see No, that's not it. To no, his credit. It's the one I like, John. Uh, uh, no, I'm thinking of modern English. I would love it. to hear yeah. from black people, um, people that use English in writing on a daily basis, um, you know, ask the opinion of, say, Walter Williams? Yeah, uh, Obama. Um, um, who's our judge here in town? Um, Alan Page. Alan Page. Mm-hmm. Ask them what they think of this. Mm-hmm. Or you can ask my aunt, the retired English teacher. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is not going to work. Your te- these kids are going to fail. This will not work in the real world. But Kenny, They're see, not going to get jobs. But Kenny, I've had a darker thought. I've had a darker thought. Uh the real world is going to begin reflecting this. I agree. The the standards will be lower. The standards are going to be uh, it. So now everybody's going to talk like they're from Western Douglas County. Hey, I seen a deer in the field <laughs> on my way over. Yeah. The no. next Supreme Court, African American Supreme Court justice who can't read. I seen Trump is going to be on TV tonight. <laughs> you know that I got a taken goal. Let me find the uh, the key. The key sentence. I melt with you. Modern English. That's the one yeah. we used it as I love that right. Yeah. Uh, let me find the... Uh, okay. In a way, is not an outlier. He represents the mainstream of America's college writing programs and the mainstream of social justice education, which has taken over much of the academy, which has taken over much of higher education. And that's... That's tantamount to saying the academy now is in the business of creating what they believe to be an equitable society by accommodating, by throwing out standards, by throwing out standards, because standards require certain benchmarks to be met. 
They're throwing out the standards and replacing them with acknowledgement that, well, it's postmodernist. No matter what you write, it's the same as what anybody else writes. So there's no standards for excellence well, in the writing. And I just had a thought while you were saying that. We, this is already happening because people are now writing in their daily lives like a like it's a tweet yeah. or a text. Yeah. No punctuation, no capital letters, mm-hmm. no it's just a garbled mess. Well, it's a it's a sad how do you do because it's a it's a reaffirmation of what I'm beginning to see more and more clearly and that is that the uh, that higher education uh, doesn't mean what it meant. But you well, give me the time frame. I have no trade idea. school. That's my answer. <laughs> If you if you don't if you have a kid and you're thinking about college, if that kid does not have some specific narrow destination in mind, right there, for, for which a degree would be useful, yep. you might as well not go. Trade because all it's going to be is this crap. Yep. That's all it's going to be. That's all it's going to be. Very promising. Very promising. No, that's why John and I said, you know, we're not looking good for 2019. <laughs> Maybe next year. Because the failed academy is is failing is as rapidly as we can keep track of it. And it's every institution. Every institution. Why 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 don't the Harvards, why don't the Ivy League schools will that be the same thing Absolutely. there? Absolutely. It's failing there as rapidly as anywhere else. Absolutely. Let's get to Kenny's question. Now, this is failing them for the real world. They're they're going to be unprepared to go out. I'm afraid that the real world will will revert and this will become the new the new standard. The new standard will be there's no standards. And I think we are already down that path with texting and tweeting mm-hmm. because nobody punctuates. Nobody, it, it's a disaster. It's a mess. Nobody double spaces after a period. Everybody needs my aunt in their life. Nobody double spaces double after spaces. a period. Where did your aunt teach? Uh, small town. Well, she doesn't know anything. <laughs> I try to tell her that no. all the time. Were you referencing and her? All she does is smack me. I bet she was a great grammarian. Oh, she still is. She yeah. won't get off my back. Yeah. Were you referencing her because she was a black female or because she was an English teacher? <laughs> she was an English teacher. Okay, clarification. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have to reference her because we got Auntie Souchere over here right. that always corrects everything we say. <laughs> well, I, and I, it's fun giving him crap about it, but he's right. Like when I borrowed yeah. you that five dollars. No, you didn't yeah. borrow me anything. I've I've gotten you all and, to quit using the word like. And I think there's still a crick by my house. Well, that's because you're from North Dakota, <laughs> Man Dan. <laughs> you want another one? We got mountain lions. You, you, want, an, another you got another one already? Give me another one. The Portland NAAC, this hasn't this isn't the failed academy, but it's an example of what the of the result of the failed academy. Portland NAACP says warning signs about building damage due to earthquakes represents white supremacy. Warning signs about building damage during earthquakes or after earthquakes. A new ordinance in Portland, Oregon requires public signs on brick buildings to warn residents that the structures could collapse during an earthquake. But the NAACP views the signs as a way to force black people to move out of the neighborhoods. I don't know how. The NAACP renters' rights groups and music advocates held a news conference outside City Hall on Saturday to demand (laughs) the city rescind the policy. About 1,600 unreinforced masonry buildings, some of them 90 years old, are at risk. Many of the buildings are in predominantly black neighborhoods. So we we're not supposed to try to save black people? No. By I telling yell. them that their building could be problematic during an earthquake? Hey yo, what's going on with your building? Ain't none of my business. I feel you. 
It speaks to our houses of worship and everything about the black presence in the north-northeast area. The Reverend E.D. Mondain, a pastor at Celebration Tabernacle Church in North Portland and president of the Portland NAACP chapter said in a, in a report. Uh, we will no longer allow these tactics, Mondain said, citing Oregon's explicit policy. And it's, oh, I, I can't even read this. Uh, in other words, the, the rulers in the salon in Portland— they went to the salon and said, we got to make people aware that their buildings might not be safe during an earthquake. Okay. It's, it's not plausible to me that they did that for purposes of frightening or uh, uh, compelling black people to move out of those buildings. That's not plausible to me. Is this power washing? It is to a sense, isn't okay, it? Okay, yeah. Uh, it's not plausible to me that they did it for purposes of, of disrupting blacks' lives. I can't even see the connection there. They, I have they no did idea. It, they did it because uh, Portland, uh, we've talked about that tremendous quake. It's not the San Andreas, I'm sorry, fault. It's not the San Andreas fault. There's another even more violent the... fault north and, and west of the San Andreas fault that if that ever goes, you can kiss Seattle and Portland goodbye. And so now they're all worked up about that and they say, well, we've got a lot of reinforced buildings here in town. Let's put up some signs warning people that in the event of earthquakes, they got to be really careful. And the and the NAACP comes along because they're in the race industry. Without without complaining, they have no industry. Right. So they come along and say, "We got to put you. You can't put those signs up. That's just white supremacy. You're trying to get us out of here." No, they're not. They're trying to save your ass. They're trying to make you alert. They're trying to enlighten you. They're trying to say, look, in the event of an earthquake, are you sure your building's okay? Plain and simple. All, all colors included. And then maybe what if, if – I predict this too. What the salon will do now in response to this pastor raising a fuss, what the salon will do is they'll go to the owners of those buildings <laughs> and make them retrofit them. On behalf of the people who live there. This is all I've been thinking since you started this, because I would think the pushback would come from the owners and the landlords that are looking at the bill to yes. reinforce those. And maybe one of those guys actually called the NAACP and said, hey, hey why don't you this get is racist this? as hell. <laughs> That's what my thought was at. It's gotten to the point where if you put up an earthquake warning, it's racist. That's yeah. why the word means nothing anymore. Let's come back with Johnny. Joe Souchere here for Federated Insurance. I'm not a math guy, but here are a couple of numbers that should get your attention. 2,440,000 injured and 35,092 dead. Those are National Safety Council vehicle numbers from 2015. Federated Insurance reminds us that these are much more than statistics. These are family members, friends, and neighbors. Distracted driving continues to be an epidemic, but unfortunately, it's not the only factor in vehicle crashes. It could be this way. A driver is running late, making a delivery, and is speeding. When traffic came to a halt from road construction, the driver can't stop in time and strikes the rear of another vehicle, causing a four-car chain reaction and multiple serious injuries. Ask yourself, do you accelerate when a traffic light turns yellow? Do you decrease your speed during bad weather or in road construction zones? Do you make a full stop at stop signs? The National Safety Council reports nearly one-third of traffic fatalities occurred in speed-related crashes. Think about that and don't become a statistic. At Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's their business to protect yours.
Who's this, Johnny, on the Dobro? I don't have any idea. Who is Stooge. this? The Stooge? Yeah, the Stooge. Oh, it's Randy? Randy. Yeah. Really? I didn't know Randy played Dobro. Wow. Yeah, sounds good. Did he see the mountain lion in Mandan? Uh, he's, he lives in Rochester now. Oh. Here's Johnny Height. <laughs> so on Country Airlines, adding 19 seasonal routes this spring. <laughs> wow. In its largest expansion ever, with eight from... Guess we're not getting them as a client. Oh, yeah, we could. We'll talk to some people. I'll talk to my buddy at the airport. With eight from Minneapolis-St. Paul International, including one to Chicago, with a $49 starting price. Nice. But when you get a window seat. I would love seat, to know the hoops you dive through to the get problem that $49 is, ticket. Yeah, that window seat, Joe? Yeah. The window's open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little breezy. It's the biggest leap for its flight network yet to buy the Egan-based carrier as it tries to transform from a middle-tier Twin City-centric airline to an ultra-low cost carrier with national reach. The airline also said it'll add 150 jobs in the Twin Cities, 10% growth, and confirmed a plan to move its corporate office to one of its hangars at the airport. Said it will buy five new planes in 2019, although the additional routes aren't contingent on the purchases. Uh, Jude Bricker, Sun Country's chief executive, he said at a news conference this morning, we're going to carry about 40% more passengers this year than last. The airline flew just under 2 million passengers for the 12 months that ended last September 30th, the latest period for which data is available. Think of how many flights they could have counted if they wouldn't have left those people in Mexico back in March. Sun Country is also growing in several other markets where executives believe leisure Ah, travelers don't have access to low (laughs) fares. Its route expansion could lead rival airlines to lower or match Sun Country's fares. Either all bench seats or pull all, all the seats out of there and put in those church folding chairs. Yeah. No, but the day is coming when I bet you'll hang on to a strap and stand. Strap hanger. Yep. Like on, a, like on the light rail? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the only difference between that and light rail is you'll have to pay to get on the airplane. <laughs> Fat fills crotch in your face the whole oh, way to Chicago. Oh, oh, I need a window seat. <laughs> I need a window strap. You know how it's so noisy in there, you can pass gas at where it doesn't matter. That's when you start talking. You know about that new naked restaurant? (laughs) A 26-year-old Minneapolis man sentenced Tuesday to 90 days in the Hennepin County Workhouse and three years supervised probation in connection to a Metro Transit bus operator attack that was caught on camera last April in Minneapolis. Uh, Court records show Sterling Verlaz-Smith was also sentenced to a term of one year and one day in prison. That portion of the sentence was stayed pending successful completion of probation. Smith initially pleaded not guilty to transit obstruction and third-degree assault last May. Both are felonies. Court records show the assault charge was dismissed as part of a plea agreement that saw him plead guilty to obstruction. According to the criminal complaint, police responded when an alarm on the bus was signaled in the area of 15th Avenue and Emerson Avenue North in Minneapolis. They found the driver with blood on his nose and upper lip, along with scrapes on his forehead. The operator told police three women had gotten on the bus. One of the women was swearing. The complaint says the operator asked her to stop. She became uncooperative. He stopped the bus to wait for law enforcement to arrive and help out. The complaint says then another woman on the bus on the phone with her boyfriend, identified as Smith. Bus security video shows Smith boarding the bus, escorting the woman off, then getting back on. The complaint alleges he asked the driver, you want to go? Then began striking the driver. You want to dance? I'm your huckleberry. Then began striking the driver on his head. The operator was able to trigger the bus alarm before Smith fled the scene, according to the complaint. When officers found Smith, they told him, uh, he told them, excuse me, he thought he heard the driver use a racial slur. However, 
When officers explained that audio and video recordings from the bus revealed no such statement, Smith told police, I took it the wrong way, possibly. Wow. Quite possibly. I guess I overreacted. Right. Trump administration officials said federal income tax refunds would indeed go out, despite large part of the government being shut down. Russell T. Vaught, acting director of the White House Office of Management and Budget, told reporters about the development in a briefing. There has been growing concerns that tax refunds might be delayed as 800,000 federal workers are either furloughed or working without pay, as President Trump and Congress are mired in that standoff over funding for a southern border wall. Only about 12 percent of IRS staff is expected to continue working through a shutdown, according to the agency's plan. And that means certain functions like answering taxpayer questions would be curtailed. The IRS still working on contingencies if the shutdown continues much longer. Will they notice if I just don't pay? Eventually, yes. <laughs> for the second day in a row, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg not at the Supreme Court as it convenes for oral arguments. Chief Justice John Roberts made the announcement that Ginsburg was unable to attend arguments as he opened court Tuesday morning. The 85-year-old Ginsburg is still recovering from a surgery she underwent last month to remove two cancerous nodules from her lung. She also has survived other bouts of cancer, which never caused her to miss any oral arguments. Roberts opened court on Monday by saying that while Ginsburg wouldn't be present for oral arguments, she wouldn't participate in the cases by reading transcripts. They made no mention of her recent surgery. Ginsburg released from the hospital about two weeks ago, according to the court, following surgery earlier last month. Court said there was no evidence of any remaining disease following the surgery. The nodules themselves were discovered following tests after a fall she sustained in November. The justice returned to the court shortly after the fall that fractured three of her ribs last November. Are you guys still of a mind to uh, give me a lot of grief about my uh, my fascination with wheat pennies? I, I, don't, I think yeah, the mocking sure. continues. Yeah, sure. I think so. yeah, I don't think we'll find any reason. A penny that a Massachusetts teenager found in his change from lunch money could be worth as much as $1.7 million when wow. it is auctioned off. Oh, how, how could so? that be? A 1943 Lincoln penny is made up of copper and has been described as the most famous coin made in error, according to Heritage oh. Auctions, which is auctioning the coin. Only 20 were ever made, and for years the U.S. government denied its existence, but one coin was found by Don Lutz in his school cafeteria in March 1947. Despite relentless searching by eager collectors over a period of more than 70 years, only a handful of legitimate specimens have ever been discovered, Heritage wrote on its website. PCGS CoinFax estimates the surviving population at no more than 10 to 15 examples. We have completed a roster of all specimens certified by the two leading grading services, including an unknown number of resubmissions and crossovers. In the 40s, copper was considered a strategic metal, largely because of World War II as it was used to make shell casings, telephone wire, and other wartime necessities. To preserve the metal, 1943 Lincoln pennies were made of zinc-coated steel, but a tiny fraction of the pennies put into circulation wound up using copper. Almost as soon as the pennies were pressed, rumors began to emerge that some copper pennies had been made, uh, had made their way into circulation. The frenzy had become so heightened that it was speculated that car magnet Henry Ford would give a new car to anyone who could give him one of those copper pennies, although that was later proven false. Uh, at the time, Lutz, who was 16, had heard the rumor about Ford, but when he was later told it was false, he kept the coin for himself in his collection. Over the years, he received offers for the coin and eventually even 
uh, inquired with the U.S. Treasury about it, but was told that it was fraudulent and that all pennies struck in 1943 were zinc-coated steel and eventually decided to just keep it uh, in his auction. I'm almost done. The 1943 zinc-coated pennies proved to be so unpopular with the public that they were eventually replaced with brass recovered from shell casings. Lutz passed away in September, and now the coin is going up for auction, and uh, that auction concludes this Thursday. This, uh, According to Sarah Miller of Heritage, Heritage Auctions, uh, said this is the most famous error coin in America numismatics, and that's what makes it so exciting. No one really knows what it's going to sell for. But it was in circulation. It wasn't about wasn't twenty mint. of them got through. When no, no. But I mean, it was it was in circulation, yeah. so it was kind of marked up, and it yeah. still is going to command that. And there's price. a few out there. I, you know, that's why I always wow. look at my pennies to see if they're a wheat penny. Do you have any zinc pennies? I don't know. Yeah, zinc smells, doesn't it? I don't know. I have some pennies from uh, the '40s. Some wheat pennies from the no, '40s. I, yeah, I don't a, think you're going to cash. I had in a there. couple zinc pennies as a kid, and I've lost them. Mm. Drives me. Hurt. I don't think they're worth anything. I, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. I think a wheat penny is worth a penny. Right. That's why we continue to mock you right. because you're not going to, if you found that coin. But that's a wheat penny that might be worth two million bucks. I'm sorry, John, I interrupted that's you. That's all right. <clears throat> a man was caught on surveillance video in Salinas, California, licking a doorbell. See, this is what I mean, John. This is <laughs> yeah, what I mean about, yeah. about how we, if we uh -huh. could ignore this kind of stuff. Have you seen the video? Oh, no, these I are saw the good the ones. Video. I saw the these video. These are the good ones. Yeah. Can't ignore these. What's he was taste? licking it with passion. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. he's practicing. Yeah. Oh, no. I don't know what he for. He thought that was going to well, work. That's what we've been told. He like, has no idea. Mama, get out here. <laughs> A family called police when to their shock, they found the footage on their home surveillance. Oh. Homeowners were out of town, but their children were inside. They oh, didn't wake up to the noise, but the family's surveillance system alerts them when there's movement at the front door. Is there a microphone there, Johnny, so they can hear him going, num, num, no, num, no. num, num. Doorbell liquor Pull victim. Pull my hair. <laughs> Doorbell liquor victim Sylvia Duncan said, I thought, boy, there's a lot of traffic. Doorbell liquor victim? That's right, because wow. it was her doorbell. Yeah, I guess. Like a failed superhero. I think it's racist. Yeah. Doorbell liquor yeah. victim. I said, uh, five in the morning, what the heck? Who the heck is at my door? It's been a long, lonely night. Right. Neighbors said it's one of the most bizarre things they've ever seen. Couldn't believe my luck. Right. Neighbor Alfred Santos said, I thought I'd seen it all, but this takes the cake. You know what? We haven't seen it all, have we? No. No, unfortunately not. No. Salinas PD identified the suspect as 33-year-old Roberto Arroyo. Police are still looking for Arroyo. Say he could face two misdemeanor charges for petty theft. And prowling. That's Maybe they can set up a bait doorknob. That's, you know, right no, that's in the middle exactly of the street. what I was thinking. A big <laughs> sign with a huge, oversized door, big clown door, doorbell. Right. Doorbell. Yes. Lonely doorbell right. here. Right. Unattended doorbell. And just for fun, put a, a doorbell knocker in there too. The clonk, clonk, clonk. Oh. Uh, seven men killed in a shooting attack at a bar in Mexico's Caribbean coastal city of Playa del Carmen, according to authorities. It occurred at Las Virginias Bar in a low-income section relatively far from the beachside resort tourist zone. Six men were found shot to death in the bar. Another died at a local hospital. One man wounded but survived the attack. He told police they were drinking beer with friends. Gunshots broke out. The attackers have not yet been identified. An Arkansas sheriff's deputy fired after he was caught on video shooting a small dog during a response call last week. Deputy Keenan Wallace relieved of his duties after it was determined he had numerous opportunities to de-escalate the situation. The dog wounded but survived. Uh, the dog that he shot, a chihuahua. Hmm. Wallace fired at the barking chihuahua. Jeez. 
outside a home in Shiloh Estates, Arkansas, a few feet yeah. away from Doug Kennedy. So then it just kind of crawled around whimpering. <laughs> Ugh. As the dog squeals in pain after the shooting, oh. Kennedy can be heard saying, I just recorded you shooting that dog in front of me, putting me in danger. The deputy replied, no, I didn't. The shot hit the dog, what I aimed at. Authorities initially said Friday a deputy <laughs> fired at a dog who was aggressive, but a day later he was terminated. Uh, the chief said it appears no policy or laws were violated, but he will forward the investigation to prosecutors. As for the dog, suffered a bullet wound to the jaw and is recuperating, uh, according to a GoFundMe page for the dog. Oh, my gosh. Dog is not out of the woods yet. She and another dog, Oreo, were known strays in the neighborhood after they were left behind by their previous owners. Oh. Did the cop try to Wait show everybody minute. the little ankle bites on his uh, ankles there? This stray dog? <laughs> Well, no, it, uh, Kennedy picked him up. This fella picks up stray dogs and houses them. The fella that All right. we're talking about here. So. A do-gooder. Yeah, he's a do-gooder. Kennedy. Well, it's fine. <laughs> Leader of the Russian Orthodox Church, you might agree with this, Joe, uh, has said that humans' dependence on modern technology will result in the coming of the Antichrist. Oh, he's right. He's right. Interview with Russian state media, Patriarch Kirill explained he does not entirely oppose gadgets, but warned against... Falling into slavery to smartphones. He said that the collection of user data, including location, interest... Wait a minute. He, yeah. He's on to something, Joe, because we're, what do we know about the Antichrist? He's going to be the answer to everything, right? He's going to mm-hmm. proclaim maybe technology is the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. Mm. Kirill mm. said the collection... Oh, maybe of, not in human form. I get it. Yeah. said the collection of user data, including location, interests, and fears, will make it possible for humans to be controlled by external forces. I think they already are. He said control from a single point is the harbinger of the coming of the Antichrist. The Antichrist is a personality, he said, that will be at the head of the World Wide Web controlling the entire human race. The church leader stressed that if we don't want to bring the apocalypse closer, there should be no single control and access center. Positive thinking could be the key to staying healthy in old age, according to new research. Well, we're screwed. (laughs) Right. As I say, we got to change the nature of the show. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Scientists found optimists who believe their life has a meaning walk faster, suffer less pain as they age, and have stronger grips. Over 50 people are more likely to judge life worth living if they're married and see their friends at least once a week, according to the study. While the researchers warned spending too much time on your own or in front of the TV may make life less meaningful. I think the opposite has been my case. (laughs) (laughs) Researchers at University College London questioned more than 7,000 people aged 50 to 90 on how meaningful they felt their life was. Those who judged life most worthwhile were 16% likely to be married, 13% less likely to live alone. They were 13% more likely to see friends at least once a week, more likely to be a member of an organization. The research found those whose lives held least meaning spent almost twice as much time alone during the day, more than six hours on average, and they spent 50 minutes a day watching television. Mm. Uh, It doesn't seem like you should have to issue this warning. Uh, Chicken tenders weren't for pickup, an Alabama sheriff's office warning people against eating chicken that fell onto a rural highway after a truck wreck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but they 
picked it up and delivered it anyway? Oh, my God. No, no. An 18-wheeler. No, it's like when a money truck rolls. Yeah. Oh, everybody Everybody pulls over yeah. to grab a wad of cash. An 18-wheeler <laughs> crashed on Alabama 35 on Sunday, spilling boxes of chicken tenders. <laughs> grab those! <laughs> Ma, pull over. Pop, pop the trunk. <laughs> now, if we could just find a honey mustard truck that would crash. Motorists began stopping to pick up the food, which oh authorities say created a traffic <laughs> hazard. Fantastic. God, we're doomed. The Cherokee <laughs> County Emergency Management Agency posted a notice on its Facebook page asking people to quit picking up the chicken. <laughs> the notice, Do we uh, have pictures of this? Oh. <laughs> the notice says the food isn't safe to eat after spending hours on the ground. Oh. <laughs> the post also says the situation was creating a constant traffic hazard. And it's a crime to block traffic. Violators could face charges. The sheriff's office says a wrecker crew was on the scene Monday cleaning up the mess. It's tough to get a good chicken tender. They, they all, I mean, the box makes them look delicious, but you always end up disappointed and hard The home broken. ones, the home yeah, ones, it's they, they really just, hard to They find just one. don't turn out I right. I there are, uh, oh, no, there's just an image of the turned over truck. We don't have the people. Well, aren't they made with... Meat other than breast meat. It's Parts. Like, yeah, rib yeah. meat. What is Chick-fil-A chicken? Is that the good stuff? That's, that's the real, real stuff. Yeah, Max real Fish chicken. and Chips on uh, Snelling. Here we go. That's <laughs> the real stuff. <laughs> yeah. I just stopped by there the other day. That's and he's owned. That's Did you fish, pay? though. I paid full price. Oh, boy. Yep, I paid full price for 12 of them. Oh, that's fish. And they were damn good. No, that's I got fish. the chicken. Oh. I got the chicken. Wait, Max <laughs> Fish and Chips and chicken. Yes. I ain't eating that bullhead. No, that was that's a completely different place that we can't that we can't. So you, what do you think we should head on in and get two for four? They used to have catfish at Ted Cook's. I don't know if they still do, but ooh, was catfish that good. can be done pretty well. Oh, that was good. Mm-hmm. Wow, love that catfish. Of course, I'm a guy who orders fish. Well done. So, yeah, what? so much of the flavor is gone. Why? Do I, I don't know. It's just a peculiarity. I just, hmm. it's you have just, a lot of peculiarities. It's just me. Joe. It's just yeah. me. He's an aisle guy. Yeah. He's, He's an aisle guy that wants to see out the window. That's right. I'm an aisle guy who needs an open window shade. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> wow. Are we done? I think we're done. I think so. Huh? This is an do easy way to make a living. Well, amen to that. Make a living? Speaking of that, help us out and go ahead and rate us on Apple iTunes. Also, tell your friends and neighbors about the Garage Logic podcast online at garagelogic.com. Check out some of the great 2019 creations by Greg Holcomb in the comic section. Just do the features drop down and you'll find it. Garagelogic.com. We'll see you next time. Thank you.